DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Steve Cleveland on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. So, Steve, we got a question up on our Facebook page, and a lot of people are weighing in on this. The Bucks blasting Phoenix in Game 3. Is this the beginning of the end for the Suns? Have the Bucks figured him out, and Giannis has back-to-back 40-point games, and he's unstoppable? And, hey, the team with the best player often wins playoff series, and he's the best player. Or, hey, Phoenix gave one a lot of way. There's a lot of emotion in the building, but they'll win Game 4, go home and close it out in the desert in Game 5 in front of their home fans and have a big old party in Arizona. Which way are you leaning right now? I, you know, just watching that game and seeing how desperate <laughs> the Bucks played and collectively as a group, you saw kind of what their potential. We haven't seen that look in, in, in obviously in the first two games at the Suns. There's a lot of things, a lot of good things that the Bucks did that would uh, indicate that they have the capacity and capability of taking this to seven games. I, I have more of the opinion that uh, this thing goes seven. Now that, and that's just on one game. But if you were to ask me after the next day after watching that game and look at how and the things that they did, the adjustments that the Bucks made, um, yeah, I, I, I don't see this thing being done at five, personally. I, I, I think it's more likely six or seven. Now, the Bucks have not played well in Phoenix. I mean, I say that, but game one, actually, they, they – Shot 45% from the field and 44% from uh, uh, the three-point line. So not like they haven't shot well there in game one. They had they had opportunities. Man, they were dominant last night. And, you, and, and Giannis is Giannis, and uh, the fact that he's now had multiple 40-point games. But it just seemed to me that Holiday and Middleton were more comfortable at home. Uh, Portis came off the bench and gave them good minutes. Uh, they, they just they just seemed to have a a next level, a next gear in that game, and especially closing out games uh, in the end of quarters. I mean, they just took over, and that's what the Suns have been really good about. They go on runs in a game that may be a four or five point game, and they go on an eight zero run or a nine zero run to get some, you know, to kind of get that separation. But it was Milwaukee who went on, a, I think, a forty to nine run closing out the second and third quarters, where even when the Suns would come back. The Bucks always had an answer, and uh, so you know. And and and, and I think when you start looking at the Suns. Crowder has been amazing, to be honest with you, and and uh, he's been such an inspiration to the Suns. Had another big game, but I don't know how Bridges takes four shots. Uh, obviously, you got to give the Bucks some credit. Uh, Paul is always going to play well. Booker did not play well, so it's not often. Booker hasn't had any many off games. But certainly, the not getting the scoring from Booker and Bridges, but a lot of it you got to give credit to the Bucks. I mean, that, they just played with an intensity that they have not played with. And you're right, the emotions of being at home—they um, look really good, and uh, and Giannis looked really good. And confidence is everything. And uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. I, I think just the main thing is the Bucks just played harder. They played tougher. Uh, 20 to 2 in second chance points. Uh, Aiden got in foul trouble, which they, the Suns talk about, uh, you know, being able to have enough bodies to take care of Giannis. But when Aiden's in foul trouble, they're a different team.
One of the things that I liked in the box score is Antetokounmpo 0 for 2. What I mean by that is from 3 because it seems like it's a wasted possession relative to his ability to shoot it from distance and also the fact that he's virtually unstoppable down low. I think he was like 12 for 12 or something like that in the restricted area. So I don't want to see this guy pull up for 3 at all from a coaching standpoint. Where do you stand? I completely agree. I mean, hey, if they're up 15 or 20 and there's four minutes left in the game, go ahead and take one. Yeah. Otherwise, don't shoot it. And uh, what, one thing that's always a little curious to me is that, I mean, he has a lot of ways to get into the post. He can just dribble and back them down. But I'm surprised that they don't do a few things with some down screens and cross screens and, doing, and getting some mismatches inside. You know, take and, and I, I haven't. They haven't doubled a lot, but but what what would happen if you you know you all of a sudden uh, Middleton or Drew Holiday or whomever uh, Connaughton maybe sets a little cross screen down screens get him get him a catch right there where he's at the rim. And I know they'll pack it in and do things, but it just doesn't seem like there's anything being done to get him in positions. I mean, he gets himself in that position and is pretty effective. But why not get some matchup situations and, and give him as many opportunities to catch that thing close to the basket? And I, and I know, I know this, is not, this is a league where we don't do a whole lot with bigs in, in terms of setting screens or uh, running little quick hitters to, to get him the ball inside. Then, and then especially when they're, their, their guards aren't shooting well, they're struggling like they did in games one and two at times, uh, you get wide open looks. You just get wide open looks because two people have to always guard Giannis down low. Now, I think what they're doing works, and I, and I think when he can push it in transition and get deep and score or find guys, but I do, I do believe that there are opportunities out of dead balls and timeouts where they, they can get those kind of opportunities and get wide open threes when they've got two or three guys on them. So, no, I cannot stand him shooting threes. And then there may be a time five years from now where he can do that. And he, you know, he'll shoot them sometimes when the game, there's separation in a game, but he cannot shoot that ball. That hurts that team. Miss or make, it hurts the team. And what happens when he misses two is it starts long, quick breaks. The, ball, the rebounds are long, boom, they're in transition. They, they, don't, they can't get back defensively in, in, in a situation like that. So, no, no threes for Giannis. Let's win a championship with the things that got you there. And the three ball is not, you know, and if Middleton and Holiday are solid and Giannis is solid, this goes seven games. And I don't see any reason why they won't. They're going to play another game at home. They don't have a great bench, but Connaughton, Portis, or I think Connaughton might have even started. I can't remember. But uh, having Portis come off the bench and give them some minutes is good well. So it's time to come back. They'll they'll play better, but I still believe that – uh, I don't. I don't think Suns can beat him in Milwaukee. So Aiton's been uh, really good, really efficient all through the playoffs. They went at him and got him in foul trouble. It seems like that should always be a strategy: get that guy off the floor if possible. But a double down on it now that Saric is out. Should Aiton just expect a steady diet of Antetokounmpo trying to find him and go right at him? I mean, that's what you do. I mean, I cannot see them not doing that. They'll make some adjustments. You know, they're, they're well-coached. 
but that's how valuable he is. I mean, when the when your opponent's best player is seven foot tall and he scores ninety percent of his points a foot or two feet from the rim, uh, yeah, you're going to have to do some things to help. And, and I don't know a lot about the subs and the bigs for Sun. I mean, obviously, Lizanzark that hurts a lot. Who else that they have that can help? But they have to be sensitive to that. And you know, and sometimes you just got to let them score. I mean, you just can't foul them stupidly and put yourself in a position where you're not on the floor because they need Aiton on the floor. That pick-and-roll stuff that they do throughout the game gives an advantage and puts Booker and Paul in situations where they can hit the mid-range shot. People got to help. And so there's always space for those two. They didn't have as much space last night when Aiton wasn't on the floor. They don't have somebody that replaces him in that, in that setting. Booker obviously didn't make buckets. Uh, you concerned? Uh, I mean, I, I think you know I've watched him play so much now, and I've never hardly I never hardly ever watched him play prior to this playoff, these playoffs. And uh, but I, I would I was if I was a Suns coach, you know, I, I I would approach this thing that they know they've had games where they didn't shoot the ball well. Uh, I wouldn't say a lot about it. I wouldn't talk a lot about it. You, you know what you can do, what you're capable of. Uh, it's not very often that, you know, he's one for seven from the three-point line. But that being said, depending on who's guarding him, and, and, you know, when he can create all of that space and when they can get it inside, outside, and have space, he just didn't have a lot of space. Most of his shots were contested. There were a few open. But you're playing in a different arena, in a different environment, and – Let's not forget, he's, he's played a number of playoff games now and been spectacular. But every one of these games is, a, is different and unique in itself. And the Bucks have size and girth, and, and they, they just played with an intensity that the Suns hadn't seen. You know, the Suns controlled everything at home. They had the flow. They had the transition. They were comfortable. Now they're uncomfortable. And for them to win an NBA championship, which I believe they can, I don't know if they will, but I do. They're very much in a position to win this thing, having the home court advantage. Obviously, they play great at home, but the, every game the Bucks win, they win tonight. They're going to go into Phoenix knowing that they can win. You know, they have more confidence. They're got their foot, you know, the pedal, and they're pushing it and pushing it. Every time the Bucks kind of take over in a quarter or take over in a game like this. It gives them more confidence, and the Suns have more questions. The Suns have the advantage because they've played great at home. But uh, the Bucks can take that away from them. They win the second game. Uh, they win the second game. It's going to go seven games. And, and the Suns are going to be tough to beat in the seven-game series at home. But we're at the point now where they're expected to win at home. They, they've done that. They've shown that. They've had an outstanding year in terms of the second-best record in the league. But there'll be pressure. For the first, if they get thing go seven, the pressure will be on the Suns. So I'm always amazed at games when people are really intense and both teams really dialed in. How sometimes guys still just shut off for a couple minutes. And as a coach, it's just got to drive you nuts. The play that jumped out at me was well, it ended with a fantastic dunk by Cam Johnson going up over PJ Tucker and posterizing him. But it started because he's inbounding the ball in the backcourt, which. I guess that is the time to relax. The ball's 65 or 70 feet away from the hoop. 
but he throws it in, and he throws it back towards his own hoop. So now the ball's 75 or 80 feet from the hoop, and two defenders walk up like they're going to trap. They just throw the ball right back to Cam, and he dribbles right down the court, jumps over Tucker, Tucker and dunks. And everyone's looking at Tucker getting posterized, and I get that. But I'm still looking at two guys in the backcourt, and guys... What were you doing? You you hinted it at a double team. You didn't commit to it. That you made it pretty easy for him. What what were you thinking? How many times when you were coaching? And I know it's college kids, not pros. But you look at him and say, "What were you thinking?" <laughs> yeah, I said that a lot of times. And they probably said that to me a lot of times. They're probably wondering, "What what are you thinking, coach?" Uh, no, those are inexcusable. Not not at this level, and in this, these circumstances. I mean, you, you've got to get yourself between the ball and the basket and be there. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. The game the game is so quick, and, and you have to have the physical, that physicality, but you have to have the mental capacity and toughness and understanding that these things can't happen. And, and they do. Things happen, and, and you, you just kind of shake your head because that, that should have never happened. I mean, that's fine. He comes down and gets a dunk, but there better be two or three people back. And, and if, if you're the game plan for the Phoenix Suns, you're playing them, it's, it's three back. It's four back. You know, only one guy goes to the board. I don't care if, time, if it's a timeout, it's a dead ball, everybody's back. And, and I can't, they've been, you know, in Phoenix, Phoenix got transition baskets. They're not getting a lot of time. The Bucks did a good job of getting people back and, creating a wall and doing the things they could and didn't give up a lot of easy threes. There were some open threes they just missed because, hey, they're on the road. They're, they're not comfortable at home. But those things can lose games. It, it, you, know, you forget about that, but if it's a one- or a two-point game, you think about all the little mistakes that are made in a game where someone just kind of didn't hustle, uh, didn't execute a game plan. It seemed like incidental, well, no big deal, it's just one thing. But it's just those little things. A lot of times games are lost back in the second and third quarter when momentum takes place, and we focus so much on what happened on the last 30 seconds of the game, then we realize, let's go back and look at where all that slippage was. Four times we didn't get back in transition. Three times we came back and didn't know who we were guarding. That kind of slippage in a, in a basketball game, you can lose games in the second and third quarter. It's just the announcers don't talk so much about it unless it's after the game. But you, you watch a game, and most fans go, oh, you know, they, they, they didn't do real well in the last minute. Well, they didn't lose this game or win this game in the last minute. They won or lost it because they did these things in the second quarter and in the third quarter. And that's why you have assistant coaches. That's why you have people watching uh, at, all, at all different perspectives. And those things need to be addressed. And because those are the things, you, oftentimes these games aren't lost at the end of the game. When, when they're we build it up like it's all about the last two minutes, and it, sometimes it is, but you, you can't make those kind of mistakes at that level, and uh, that was obvious. Well, Steve, we appreciate a little time to talk uh, finals, and uh, they, they don't play again until Wednesday, and then they don't play again until Saturday. So, Sunday. Is it Saturday? Yeah, you all going to do it yourself. Yeah, talk, talk to you. Yeah, talk to you. PK's got some golf stories. You know, so. There you go. We'll get I some college football lists. We talked to Dave Rose yeah. over the weekend. That was fun. Did you? Yeah. You know, you know, it's, it's, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, uh, Tim Lacombe and I and, and Dave had lunch together for a couple hours, and uh, it was so much fun. And, and my, I have a, my son, Skyler, 
and Brock Richner, Dave's son-in-law, are our best friends, and they just moved back to Utah. So it's it's been fun to reconnect and 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 spend time with Dave. And uh, yeah, it was, it was the best. I was in Utah for about ten days. Did play quite a bit of golf as well. But being with Dave was a highlight, and, and he and I and Tim just kind of retold stories, and uh, it, it was fun to be fun to be together again, and just kind of rehashed experiences that we had together. So I'm glad you I'm glad you had him on. We were at a concert with him, believe it or not. So okay, Tim, how, how did that go? Tim McCombs band. Uh, Tim, Tim I, I wanted I, me to stick around for two more days, and I, and I wanted to. And, I, and the first thing I asked him, I said, "What? So tell me the playlist, you know, and about." Two-thirds of the playlist I was cool with, and some of the stuff I didn't know, but did, did it go well? Was it well attended? Yeah, he got the whole radio station. There. We were all down there, we and Dave was there, 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 and and Cheryl was there, and yeah. Dave's brother was there, and Tommy Connor was there, Chris Jones was there, so some basketball guys, all the guys from the radio station were there, and some other friends. It was it was fun. It was it was good to be there. I, I spoke to Dave for about fifteen minutes uh, before the show, and he wants to go out to lunch next time where I'm down there. And it was just it was good to reconnect, as you say. Yeah, no, it was. I I, yeah, I had I, we did a lot of things while we were there with our family, and uh, I've got a wife that's got a brother that's up at the cancer institute doing struggling through some of those things, which wasn't necessarily fun, but it was good to see him. It, it was a great trip, and. But it, uh, it was highlighted by, uh, by being with Dave and Tim. And uh, I saw some of the video stuff, and it looked good. looked like it was fun. And, uh, yeah, those are cool things when we can get together and just enjoy each other's company and, and reconnect. I mean, that, that's the best thing about our, all your experience and all my experiences is that the relationships with people. And, uh, you know what, uh, get away from the game and reconnect with people that have had great meaning in our lives. We don't do enough of that. We don't have time sometimes for that. But, uh, yeah, that was definitely my highlight. It's great to be back in Utah. And it's about 115 here, so anything I can do to stay out of town here would be good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, Steve, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. You bet, guys. See you. Bye. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us every week here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.